The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. Today, my special guest is Michelle Atkin. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Michelle, you have gotten some interesting publicity lately about extended breastfeeding. And I know that at least for me, this whole extended breastfeeding is... Well, certainly here in the United States, it's kind of a big deal, and I'm not sure, I guess I always thought that in the UK, that people there would be a little more tolerant of extended breastfeeding, and of course, by extended breastfeeding, I generally mean beyond one year. I'll give you a minute to uh, tell us what your definition might be if it's different, but what I'm thinking is that our listeners today really need to hear what you have to say about extended breastfeeding because at least so many of the times I encounter people, they think, oh, you know, I'm just going to do my six months of exclusive breastfeeding. I'm not even sure if I can do that. And, oh, what about these women who breastfeed until the baby is eight years old? I'm never going to do that and so forth and so on. And so what I'm hoping that you can help us to do today is to really get a perspective on how you see this and we'll be very interested to hear what you have to say. First of all, could you start a little bit with what do you consider to be extended breastfeeding? Well, when I talk about breastfeeding, I refer to it as I don't prematurely wean my children. Uh So for me, it's very much about the language that we use. And it is only the Western world that choose to prematurely wean their babies or children. The rest of the world and the rest of culture and society would consider this conversation unusual and they wouldn't even understand why we were having a discussion. So for me, when when I talk about breastfeeding Charlie, who's now four, it's just he has not yet chosen to wean. So I sort of flip it on its head. And, yes. say to people, and, and then that makes people sit and think and actually, oh, that's an interesting point you're making. And I think we've really picked up on the fact that the World Health Organization, the UK government, certainly the American government, recommend exclusive breastfeeding for six months and then continuing to breastfeed to at least two years of age. People seem to miss the last bit. It's at least two years to, of age and beyond. So for me, my last four children... I have seven altogether. So my last four children have all chosen to wean at different times. And it can be anything from 18 months with one of them and Charlie continues to to breastfeed at four. And the other point I always make to people is 
it's not me who breastfeeds. It's my children who breastfeed. Uh, uh, so it's yes. about language. Yeah. So it's about language and people just beginning to stop and think, oh, that's interesting what she's saying. Well, I'm, well, she's got, so. I'm already on board with how interesting you are because I just realized this is really two sides of the same coin. While we here in the U.S. tend to talk about what is extended breastfeeding, you're really saying it's the other side of the coin. It is that what we're really doing is premature weaning. And I find that a very interesting perspective. Yes. I mean, humans, physiologically, biologically, emotionally, are all designed to breastfeed well into childhood. You know, if we yes. look at our closest relatives, the chimpanzees, they yes. all breastfeed well into childhood. And we're the same. It's just that our society, and it's only the Western world, so we are a minority in the world, are the ones that choose to, you know, act actively, deliberately choose to wean prematurely. So for me, the question is, how has that happened? And why has that happened? And what is the consequence of that happening? Michelle, I would be the first to say that as I understand anthropology, and I am not an anthropologist, but as I understand it, biologically, we are built to breastfeed for several years as opposed to uh, our social norm, which is to, oh, I got to breastfeed for, for a few months, and even that seems like a big stretch. And uh, I, I really hear you saying that the difference between the biology and the sociology is substantial in the Western culture. So yes. that's certainly, you just alluded to your children. I know that you have seven children, all of whom have been breastfed to varying degrees. Yes, tell, us about, right. tell us about your journey with breastfeeding. Well, my journey started when I was 18 and had my first son, who is now 27. And I breastfed him for three or four months. Um, I encountered the usual challenges that you would do. He, he never slept. Babies don't sleep. And Robert was no different. My mother had been a bottle feeder. She was a mother of the 60s. So her support and advice was, oh, introduce a bottle. So I did quite soon. Um, when Robert was six weeks old and he went for one of his pediatric checks, he wasn't sleeping at six weeks. They don't sleep at six weeks. If they sleep at six no. months, you're doing well. Um, and I was advised to wean him onto solid food. So not only was formula introduced at six weeks, but also solid food, yeah. which nowadays is just unheard of. But back in, what, 1987, 86, 87, it was something that was really common here in the UK. I then had Kezia two years later, who is now 25, and the, the weaning... The weeding onto solid food has slightly changed to 12 weeks or 12 pounds. Kezia soon reached 12 pounds, um, sooner than she reached 12 weeks. So again, solids were introduced really soon. By the time she was three or four months, she was no longer breastfeeding. Um, I then went on to have my third baby, who is Tammy, and she breastfed for about four or five months, and I went back to work. This is where my perspective changed. Up until that point, I considered breastfeeding till six months to be, yeah, you've done really well, excellent, well yes. done if you get to six months. And, yes. you know, we're going back 20 years and, you know, we're going back UK 20 years where you introduce solids really soon. Now, when I had Tammy, I had um, a really good friend who also had a son and he was £10.6 at birth, so a big baby. Wow. Um, 
I know. Um, so it was ten post six at birth. Um, this is nineteen ninety five. And Linda, my friend, she breastfed exclusively this huge baby till he was six months old. And I was so in awe of this. It was like, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> this, this massive baby and all he has is breast milk. How has she done it? She's like super mum. And then not only did she do that, she then continued to breastfeed until he was over two. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. I didn't even know you could do this. How have you done this? You know, you have magical breasts. You must tell me how you do it. <laughs> It was just amazing. And every time I saw it, this child was breastfeeding. And I was like, wow, he's talking and he's walking and he's still breastfeeding. And she lent me a wonderful book called The um, the Womanly Art of Breastfeeding by Lalechi oh, yes. League. Lalechi League, yes. Oh, yes. And that was just a godsend. That book to me was just changed my whole perspective of parenting. The fact that not only could you breastfeed for so long, but actually it was a recommended thing to do. And I made, I then vowed after I'd watched Linda breastfeed David for such a long time in my eyes that if I ever had any more children, I would choose to let them wean when they were ready. Um, I then went on to have Leia in 1999, and that was a decision I'd made. Um, she was going to breastfeed exclusively for six months. And again, in the UK, that was just unheard of. So much so, I had health professionals not recommend it saying it was dangerous, it was not the right thing to do. My mother-in-law was up in arms about it because she couldn't have the baby overnight. She'd never heard of anything so ridiculous and what was I doing to this child? Um, But I persevered and she she breastfed till she was 18 months, by which time I was then pregnant with Lucas. Um, So Leia stopped at about 18 months. I think it was probably because sometimes they stop when the milk changes. They don't like the change in taste when you're pregnant, so she stopped. Yes. So Lucas was born in 2001, and again, I was following the baby-led weaning until he was six months, and I do remember a health visitor coming, um, a health nurse, we have them over here, and she said when he was five, six months, you must be introducing solids now, you have to. And I was, well, why? Well, because if you don't, you're going to miss this window of opportunity, and he's not going to talk properly, and his teeth aren't going to develop properly, and you're going to affect his jaw development and I was, are you sure about that? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's government recommended that you should have introduced solids. So then out of the corner came my then two-year-old child, Leia, who'd exclusively breastfed till she was six months, walking, talking, and eating perfectly normally. And I was sort of, <laughs> oh, can I just sort of check that with you when, when I, you know, here's what I produced earlier. Um, and she got really quite upset at the fact that I wouldn't agree with her. And even when I quoted you know, World Health Organization, she was, well, you know, well, our government says it's not right and you should be introducing solids and you're going to harm this child. And it was quite ironic because about five or six years later, when I um, was then training health professionals around breastfeeding supports and the UK policy was then in line with the World Health Organization and they were advocating exclusive breastfeeding for six months, who should come on the training course was but the same health visitor. So she was like sat opposite uh-huh. me. I was a trainer and she was, oh, right. And I said, do you remember that conversation? Oh. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. Now, Lucas was, he was just over three. Um, Jaina, my, I'm naming me up to now, sixth baby, had been born. So we tandem fed for a couple of months. And Lucas stopped when he was nearly four. And Jaina, who is my youngest girl, she was nearly four. Um, and Charlie, who's now 
my youngest, he, he is four and he continues to breastfeed. So I've had lots of different experiences around breastfeeding. I've had health professionals say, I'm going to harm my child. It's not right. You shouldn't do it. Um, I've had my mother say, you shouldn't be breastfeeding for that long. My mother-in-law was, oh my goodness, it, she was just aghast at the fact I was breastfeeding at all. Um, she was also very upset when I had two home births because the children were bound to die. So it's been an interesting journey. Um, oh, yes, yes. Uh, Michelle, and let me just recap for a moment before we go to break. As I understand it, it was your first three children that you were the initiator of the weaning, and the last four children who have been uh, uh, baby-led weaning. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yes. Well, that has been such an interesting story for those of you who have just joined us Michelle Adkin who is in the UK has told about her experiences breastfeeding her her seven children over the last many years she is still breastfeeding a child and has really helped us to understand the difference between our concept of mother-led weaning for which I suppose the other name might in in fact uh, reasonably be called extended breastfeeding and the opposite which is most certainly baby-led weaning and she has recounted her stories for us wow everybody do not go away. This is such an interesting story. I will be back for Born to be Breastfed on the Health and Wellness Channel. We are here today with Michelle Atkin. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 50 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. 
Autism One, a conversation of hope, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. I am delighted to be here today with my special guest, Michelle Atkin, who is here to talk to us about what I think would probably be best termed as baby-led weaning. Michelle is coming to us from the UK. She just got through telling about breastfeeding her seven children, and in fact, she is still breastfeeding one of her one of her babies, Charlie, who is at the time four years old. Michelle, I'm very interested in what you talked about with the 21 reasons why you love to continue breastfeeding these babies, and I know we don't have time to go into all of those 21 reasons. But there were a few that really stood out in my mind. Let me just say that one of the things that I hear a lot, at least here in the UK, is, first of all, that women aren't really, I I can't tell you how many times I've bumped into these women who don't even want to admit to me that they are still breastfeeding a child who is perhaps two years old, because they think that I'm going to think that it's a terrible thing, which, of course, I, I, I don't. But I think that there's some of these, what I guess I would call, closet nursers. And then there are the other end of the spectrum, those women who say, ew, why would I do that? I don't want this baby being, um, one woman told me she said she felt like it was, uh, oh, something or other, something like a nuisance on her breast. I wish I could remember the exact words she used. And obviously, you don't think that. I was very intrigued with some of these things. Talk to me, for example, about how when you have a toddler, that breastfeeding can stop a tantrum easily. Can you talk to us about how that works? 
oh, that works wonderfully. When Charlie <laughs> is having a meltdown, and actually Charlie's now breastfeeding while I'm talking to you, he's just popped in and wanted a breastfeed. <laughs> Are you kidding um, me? <laughs> no, I'm not. It's bit when I'm, um, bit when I'm on camera, you could see him breastfeeding. When Charlie is about to have a meltdown, which he does quite regularly because he's four, um, if I am able to distract him and say, and it's one of the very few times that I will say to him, do you want a boo-boo? It will distract him enough for him to stop. But also because of the oxytocin release and the whole process of breastfeeding, the actual act calms him down. So he begins to breastfeed and you can see him physically beginning to relax. So it's a, it's a great way to preempt some of the major meltdowns he can have. So for me, it's a really good strategy to have. It's an interesting one to have in the supermarket, um, but it's, an, it's a good one to have. Yeah. Michelle, would it be fair to say that that's the equivalent of adult comfort food? It could be, actually, yes. I mean, when we're stressed out, I don't know yes. about you, I mean, I'll, I'll go and make a cup of tea or I'll make the chocolate yes. biscuit or I'll have a cake. And I think it's the same. And the added benefit for Charlie's, of course, is that you know, breastfeeding actually contains oxytocin, which is the calming down hormone. And it also not only calms it could be, actually, yes. I mean, when we're stressed out, I don't know yes. about you, I mean, I'll, I'll go and make a cup of tea or I'll make the chocolate yes. biscuit or I'll have a cake. And I think it's the same. And the added benefit for Charlie's, of course, is that you know, breastfeeding actually contains oxytocin, which is the calming down hormone. And it also not only calms him down, but it calms me down. So yes. as a parent, you can get really stressed about tantrums and you end up so high-pitched and so stressed that it, it rubs apart off on the children. So you, it, it's a counterproductive effect. He calms down. I calm down, the house calms down, and peace is restored. Absolutely. Totally love that. So tell me, how? what about this one? Teaching nursing manners is a natural way to teach about body integrity and respect. Tell us about that. That's an interesting one. I mean, when you get to, when the baby gets to about 12 months old, they, they will start pulling at your top and helping themselves, as I call yes. it. You know, yes. So they start unbuttoning you. And it's at that age where they're beginning to challenge you anyway because they realise that what they do actually has an effect on somebody else, especially the mummy. Um, so for me, it's about if you can then start teaching them some breastfeeding manners, it's part of the whole process of gentle disciplining so you can't always just have what you want at that exact moment and if you do want to breastfeed there is a way of asking like anything else you know if, if he was coming up to me and wanted anything to eat I wouldn't expect him just to go to the to the cupboard and help himself he yes. would have to ask so for me it's a really nice way and a really gentle way of beginning to introduce um, gentle you know discipline gentle rules this is the way we do things like, for example, if you're teaching them to sit down and eat with a knife and fork, you would expect them to be doing that, not eating with their hands. And it's the same with breastfeeding. There's, a, there's an etiquette to it. Yes. I, I totally love that idea, Michelle. And I'm also thinking that when I talk about this myself, one of the things that I talk about is telling mothers that they can, for instance, set limits. That one of yes. those limits may be, uh, we can't do this right now, we can do it later. Or we can't do it in the supermarket, we can do it at home, or whatever. And so I hear you saying that that's part of that manners, so to speak. It is. It's just it's part of human interaction. Like sure. we teach children to say please and thank you. I expect people, I certainly expect my children, to respect my body. You just don't come and help yourself. Yes. It is about asking. It, it's just, for me, it's just common sense and it's just good manners. 
teaching children good manners. Yeah, totally love that idea. Now, how about this one? Breastfeeding can be a foundation for lifelong traditions of connection. That's about, for me, not only connecting with your mother and connecting and sort of building that bond, it is about children knowing that they get all their needs met. So one of the things that's said about breastfeeding a child as opposed to stopping earlier is that, well, they're going to become too dependent on you. Quite yes. how you can become too dependent on your child is beyond me. Do you get to a certain age where you stop hugging them? I don't know. I don't think you do. This is about a child, and they're only small. You know, they're small children who are still understanding and getting to grips with language and how things work and, you know, the etiquette. This is about them knowing that when they have a need, it's met. And by meeting a need, you're forming a connection with people. You know, you and I have made a connection. Yes. You know, we talk to each other and you ask questions, I answer them, and it's, and it's a shared connection. And it's the same with breastfeeding. It's a form of communication that they get before their language fully develops. You know, and so much can be said through that close bond that you have, which all mothers have, regardless of how they choose to feed, of course. And we seem to have lots of ambulances going past. You know, when I teach this in my comprehensive course for lactation consultants, one of the things that I talk about is Yuvnis Moberg and her three stages of social interaction. And, of course, the, the middle stage is, in fact, interaction. As you pointed out, I ask the questions, you're answering them, and so forth. And there is, as I like to say, a dance and I think it's very interesting that you're looking at this as it's actually more than a dance. It is that dance with maybe a lifelong connection. I love that idea. Totally love that idea. So how do you go about this then? Because I noticed that number 20 for you was your toddler will be more independent. Now, I have a lot of difficulty with this in the U.S. because I hear mothers say, oh, but you're going to spoil him. You're going to spoil him. You're going to spoil him. So how how is it that some of us see it as breastfeeding is going to spoil the baby and you, in fact, see it as the opposite? You see it as he will be more independent because he feels secure. I base this upon not only the fact I believe it to be true, but I, I see evidence of it. So when Ch- Charlie goes to nursery, he's four, and he goes to nursery two and a half days a week. Jane went to nursery full-time, um, as did Leia and Lucas. And they became very independent because they knew, through the, the breastfeeding relationship, that they were having their needs met. So, you know, when they saw me, they knew that they were, they were able to breastfeed then. And, it, again, it's back to this. They have a need. You respond to it and you just get on with life. There's no big song and dance about it. It's just <laughs> something that we do. You know, yeah. there is no, you know, it's not, there is no big issue about it. Um, yes. So it is about allowing the children to develop at their own pace. And because, because they haven't weaned prematurely and because they didn't want to, again, it's another need that's been met. So because their needs are met in, a, in, in that kind of psychological development of a child, they do become more independent. You don't become independent by throwing a child out at the age of 18 months and saying, get on with life. They right. become independent by a loving, guiding parent. And for my parenting, part of that has been breastfeeding. And most certainly, when we look at somebody like the work of Eric Erickson, he talks about that basic fundamental first 
uh, developmental stage, which is trust versus mistrust. And I believe that that's exactly what you're alluding to here, is not only that you have developed trust with your child, but that actually you see that in real life, that he is actually showing you that he trusts you. And that's just got to be just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Uh, Michelle, you have been so insightful here with some of the things that we tend to often hear a lot about the other side of these particular coins. You've given us some great insight into your own perspectives here. When we come back, I would like to talk with you about the media coverage that you've had recently and going public and many other things that I know that you have taken on. For our listeners... I'd like you to know that I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here for Born to be Breastfed. My special guest today is Michelle Atkin. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Tune into Lotus Radio, Nourishing Life. With Jane Dabu, every week for everything you need to take personal responsibility in your quest for optimal health. We'll discuss topics pertaining to alternative medicine, as well as answer your questions about diseases, health, mental, and emotional conditions, and spirituality. Our guest experts include researchers, medical professionals, and advocates. Lotus Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I am back for Born to be Breastfed. My special guest today is Michelle Atkin, who is here talking to us about breastfeeding the older baby. And by the way, I just want to let you know that in that last segment, Michelle was feeding her older baby, her baby who's four years old, actually, older child, I should say. She has been feeding the baby, and she is still feeding the baby while we're talking right now. And I'd just like to point out how quiet Charlie has been while Michelle and I have been talking. Now, beyond the talking point, and before I let Michelle talk too much more here, I'd just like to remind all of you that I will be giving both my comprehensive course... And I will be giving my review course this spring. I will be in several different locations throughout the United States. For those of you who may be in the UK, I'd just like to remind you, it's a very short uh, airplane trip between the UK and New York City. Perhaps you can join us there. I would also like to say that, remember, I will be offering a scholarship for the fall courses. So if you didn't get in on one of the courses this year, and if you're not taking the exam this summer, just remember you can apply for a scholarship to my course for beginning in the fall. So keep all of that in mind. For those of you who are professionals, my website is www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'll repeat that. It's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. Don't forget to like us on my Facebook site. There's a ton of information there. Be sure to check it out. So, Michelle, you gave us some wonderful insights, and I just want to point out to everybody that Charlie is still happily nursing while we're talking. I'd like to ask you, uh, you've recently gotten a lot of media coverage. Uh, There was this big thing about breastfeeding until the baby is eight years old. That seemed kind of far out there. Uh, First of all, what was the thing with the eight-year-old? I mean, Charlie's not eight years old. Where did all of that hype come from? It was the magazine doing the interview. They were very insistent on me putting an age as to when I would breastfeed him too. So I've always said, you know, when he's ready to wean, he will wean. And that may be any time up to being seven or eight. So the question was, would you breastfeed until he's eight? And my answer is, if if that is what Charlie chooses to do, then yes, I will breastfeed until he's eight. Um, But like you said, he's four. He may give up next week. He may give up next year. And, And for me, he will breastfeed for as long as he chooses to. And often natural weaning, in my experience with other mothers, happens around when they start losing their milk teeth. Yes. So once you start getting their second teeth, they just don't breastfeed. So I know some, some people have this concern of, oh, you'll still be breastfeeding him when he's at college. And it's like, uh-huh. well, no, my, my 18-year-old's going to university in the fall and she's not breastfeeding. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mentioned it to Lucas, who did breastfeed till he was four. You know, do you want to breastfeed at 12, Lucas? And he looked at me like I was daft. So, you know, there is a natural age where they stop. Just because yes. you choose to, to, you know, your child chooses to breastfeed over 12 months old doesn't mean to say they will never stop. They do. It's, it's like learning to walk. They all walk at different ages. They all talk at different ages. Oh, I love that. They start breastfeeding at different ages. 
Oh, I love that because that's so true. Ch- children absolutely develop at different ages. So, yeah. so what was your intention with all of this recent media coverage? My intention was twofold. First of all, I have experienced a lot of women say to me when I've been out and about breastfeeding, oh my goodness, that's what I do. I'm still breastfeeding my two, uh-huh. three, four-year-old and I'm too scared to go out and do it. And I think what an indictment on a civilised, developed society that scares women into feeling they can't do something that's natural and the rest of the world do. So for me, it was sort of saying to those mothers who are scared to admit that that's what they choose to do, look, there's nothing to be frightened of. You are in the right. We need to educate society. And my second intention was around showing that actually I am perfectly normal. That's one of the things that have been said to me by a lot of interviewers, actually, you sound quite articulate and you sound quite intelligent. You know, I mean, when I went on national TV in the UK, it's very big early in the morning on Preps TV, and uh-huh. the lady who presents, she's lovely, Lorraine Kelly is a lovely woman, she really is, and she was so supportive. But even she said to me, oh, my goodness, you're not what I expected. I said, what did you expect? She didn't expect you. They expect some kind of way out, weird, strange person and and so for me it was about saying look I am a mother I have seven children I work full-time I have a business and I happen to have a child that's breastfeeding so it's about getting the message out there that it's not it's just just what I do um it's what what my child chooses to do there's no great song and dance about it it's just something we happen to be doing so the mothers may go actually I'd never really thought about it like that like I did when I had Tammy I've never actually thought about breastfeeding her for any longer than six months. And uh-huh. it just begins, it starts a conversation with people. For me, people will have an opinion on what I do, and I'd rather they express it so we can start a conversation. Once you start a conversation and a dialogue, you then start exchanging ideas, you start understanding the other person, and change begins to happen. And for me, the other big thing, this is really big for me, is that what mothers need And I don't mean just breastfeeding mothers, I mean all mothers. We need three things. We need support from our governments, so that be through policies that help us return back to work, you know, policies around childcare, policies around feeding, breastfeeding, whichever way you choose to feed. Uh So we need support from governments. We need, and this is vital, we need our health professionals all to be singing from the same hymn sheet. Oh, yes. Them all to be giving us the same information that's evidence-based and the same advice. So not the scenario that we have in this country where you can see four different health professionals that give you oh, four yes. different pieces. It just drives me insane. Oh, and we let me just say... We have the same problem in the U.S., and I I hear this. I've been hearing this for more than 30 years, and it's changed very little. But I interrupted. Go ahead. What's your number three? And number three is we need society to support us, to support us in our parenting choices. I will parent one way, you will parent another, your listeners will all parent differently. None of us are doing it wrong. We're all doing it in the way that's best for us and our children. We just need society to support us. You may not agree with us, and that is fine. I don't always agree with what society does, and that is fine. We just need support instead of having, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? If it puzzles you and if it intrigues you, then please ask. Say, why are you doing that? And I will give you an answer, and then you can either agree with it or not. It's fine. 
Well, you know, one of the things I have found in being a nurse over the last 30 plus years, and let me just say, I did not start out in breastfeeding, not by any stretch of the imagination. I have worked in just about every segment of perinatology that there is. And if there's one lesson I've learned, it is I have never met even one set of parents who do, or or should I say, who make all of the same parenting decisions that I merely think I would make under the same circumstances. Absolutely. And I think that's what you're saying. You know, I, I'm always eager to say, I don't have to go home with that baby. As a matter of fact, I don't have to go home with that husband. I don't go to the home to that house, to that neighborhood, to that job, to that whatever. And so it's really impossible for me to determine what is exactly right for them. And I think that what you have done, Michelle, is just uh, taken this a step further, which is to say all of that is true about breastfeeding your four-year-olds just as much as it is about whether or not you have epidural anesthesia during labor. So, So let me ask you this. You were very clear in saying that Charlie was and is four years old. You were very public with that. I can assume that maybe your reason for going public with that was the same as all the the other reasons that you've just talked about, or was it something different? That was the reason. It was just to show people that, yes, this is what happens, and look, we're perfectly normal. And it's just, it's about awareness. It's about changing people's awarenesses. I mean, when I went on national TV, I went on with one very high-profile general practitioner, one of our doctors, who last time he was on discussing this subject was very derogatory. He said wow. that you know anybody breastfeeding over twelve months was doing it for their own psychological issues, oh, and uh, and there was no nutritional benefit. So to be honest, I was expecting a bit of a battle with him. Yes. So I thought, no, I, it's going to be a nice, calm, relaxed conversation. And I was very fortunate that I had half an hour with him before we went live on air, oh, which good. was just wonderful because when we got live on air. He was so supportive. I've called it a miracle. It's absolutely really? miraculous. He actually, he repeated things I'd said to him beforehand and the fact that it was, you know, society that was should be showing more support. Um, he came out with all the benefits of breastfeeding for so long. I think the breastfeeding world in the UK were just stunned. They were like, <laughs> what have you done to him? And I said, well, you know, I am a hypnotherapist. But I, you know what I mean? I, I was sort of joking aside. But yes. for me, it is about this nice, soft, gentle engaging approach you know i've done the activistic hit them over the head very hard and tell them they're wrong it does not work yes it has yes. to be engaging somebody in a conversation and, it, and it, that, that, that's what's happened in the uk we've had these conversations and the shift is changing it is changing i can feel it and you know we're getting much more acceptance Michelle, the fact that you and I are having this conversation and there are literally thousands of people hearing us on probably all seven continents. I know we're on several continents. I don't know if we're on all the continents, but the fact that you and I are having this conversation on radio, I think, helps really to to open that conversation on a day-to-day basis with other people. And kudos to you for really going out there and for helping to open up that conversation because the rest of us, I, I know, for instance, that I always feel a little bit like, oh, brother, as soon as I open this door, I know that they're going to swat me down. And I always sort of feel like, you know, I just know it's coming. And it's really so refreshing to hear from someone like you. Now, for those of you who might have just joined us, I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed, and I am talking today with my guest, 
Michelle Atkin. Michelle is joining us from the UK, talking to us about her perspective for breastfeeding the older child. She is still breastfeeding four-year-old Charlie as we are sitting here talking. And Michelle has really helped us to get her perspective on all that it means and to help us to, as she says, not only start, but continue that conversation. So when we come back, I'm going to ask Michelle how she deals with parents who, in fact, are not doing it exactly the way that she would do it. And we'll talk a little bit about her message to the world. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. When it comes to your health, you have more choices. It's time for a paradigm shift in your health and your family's health. It's time to challenge the basic assumptions of Western medicine and consider emerging solutions. Host Ivan Wergo and his guests will discuss everything from physical therapy innovation, sport performance, and insurance reimbursement to a change from the biomedical model to the biopsychosocial model. Paradigm shifts in wellness and sport can be heard live every Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter. And migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm welcome back to Born to Be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my special guest, Michelle Atkin from the UK. We had just finished talking about having that conversation about breastfeeding the older baby and being very normal. So, Michelle, that's all well and good, but what do you say to women who say, are you kidding me? I'm not going to have that baby hanging off from me. Are you kidding me? That baby has teeth. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to breastfeed at all. How do you feel? But what's your view? What do you do with that? I always start where the mother is. I have okay. worked in breastfeeding support for 12, 13 years. I've trained health professionals. I've spoken nationally, internationally. I've spoken on UNICEF. For me, it's about being where the mother is and enabling her to make the decision that's right for her. And it goes back to correct evidence-based information being available to all mothers because we're all highly intelligent women who can make sure. our own decision about what's best. You know, and at some point, just by me being able to say, look, you know, yes, I cho- you know, we choose to breastfeed for a long time, it may just enable somebody to go, I never actually thought about that. Share that with me. As opposed to, you know, condemning people. What does that do? It alienates people. It's just... Yeah. For me, it's about being where the mother is and what she wants to do. So it's fine. However you choose to feed your baby is your choice. And, you know, I support whichever way that may be. So, Michelle, how would you then respond to the woman who says, I'm afraid he's going to bite me? What would you do with that? Well... Babies can bite whether they have teeth or not. Um, from a physical, you know, from a biological point of view, um, when they're breast- breastfeeding effectively, their tongue covers their bottom teeth, so they don't they don't bite the boob that feeds them. If it's counterproductive. Why would you do it? On the times that they may do, it can be because they're teething or they're bored or they've fallen asleep. And again, it's back to breastfeeding manners. So you know, all ah. babies. Will- all babies will have a chomp, you know, even if they're four months old and they're teething, they'll have a chomp. Um, yeah. So it's about, t- you know, training or teaching or showing the baby, that's not what we do. We don't bite mommy's boobs. Um, you know, and I say to people, that, you know, when they say, oh, he's got teeth, I'll say yes, but I know he doesn't bite because he learns not to. And it's not, it's not productive for him. If he carried on biting me, I wouldn't feed him. So yeah. They, yeah. they just don't. You know, once they've learned it, they stop doing it. I think you don't have to be breastfeeding for a child to bite you. I think it's really interesting what you said earlier in this show about how it's manners, it's etiquette, and that can be taught just the same as knife and fork or anything else that is just a matter of teaching. And I think it was, if for any of you who didn't catch what Michelle said, she said, you don't bite the boob who, that feeds you. And that is a very interesting thought because we, we've all said you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And this is exactly the same kind of an idea. So I, I find that very interesting. Do you ever find people staring at you? How do you deal with that? They do. Um, the usual response is sort of they do a double take because they're not quite sure what they're seeing. And uh-huh. they, they then sort of, you can see either a mixture of curiosity and then uh-huh. a bit of, nudging and elbow pushing and have you seen what that woman's doing and some people sort of just smile sweetly 
other people just carry on and some people carry on staring and, and all responses are fine because I accept that in the Western world it's not something you see every day and I know that by choosing to do this in public I'm going to attract attention and that's fine because he wants to feed and it's not a problem and it's an educational process for them as well. So the more people that the more people that breastfeed in public, and not just children but babies as well, the more people that do it, and the higher the visibility, the more we'll accept it as normal. Yes, and that's part of your message is normalizing breastfeeding. So yes. tell me then, how is it? There are a number of joys and challenges to breastfeeding any baby, a newborn, a young infant. But how are those joys and challenges? different with an older baby i think the joys when he's older are the the big one for me is is when he's not so well so when he's unwell as a mother you feel so helpless and you just think oh i I so want to swap places with you if you're breastfeeding you know you're actively doing something to help them get better because as as charlie breastfeeds the next time he feeds the antibodies will be there to help him fight whatever infection he's got and as a mother that's really empowering that I'm actively doing something as well as going to the doctor and all the usual things. So that's one of the joys. Um, the challenges can be, as with any child that's, that's four years old, he may decide he wants to breastfeed in a place that's, you know, perhaps you need to wait till later, and now he's vocal, he can shout very loudly about it, which is always <laughs> interesting. If you want to see to the cafe, it's a great way to get it. You just walk in and Charlie goes, I want a boo-boo. People move oh. very quickly. That's um, the other challenges are logistical challenges because he's so big. He's such a big boy. Um, so, you know, when he was a tiny baby, I could easily walk around breastfeeding him. As he's now so much bigger, it's almost physically impossible to carry him about breastfeeding. I do sometimes, but that's a challenge. Um, for me, though, it's about the main one is being able to feed him when he's ill or when he's tired or when he's upset, being able to meet his needs in a really easy way. It's just, you know, you just, just breastfeed him, just do that, and that's it. You sort it, just plug him in and carry on with life. And uh, fairly quickly, Michelle, can you summarize what is your message to the world about breastfeeding? My message to the world about breastfeeding is to normalize it. Uh, so it, it is about all we need is support. We just need support from society, from health professionals, from our government, and just to accept that that's what we choose to do and to get back to what we've always done. And that's not to offer any any sort of negativity towards those people who choose to, um, you know, feed in a different way. My message is to normalise breastfeeding. And if you've got a question about it, then please ask. And speaking of questions, you led me right to my next one. I know that listeners today will want to connect with you. They'll want to go to your website, visit your blog, uh, maybe uh, any other way. How would you like readers to be able to follow you in whatever way? Tell us that. You can follow me on my blog, which is www.confidentbreastfeeding.co.uk. And I'm also on Facebook at Easy Breastfeeding. And you're more than happy to email me at hello at michelleatkin.co.uk. And I would welcome people's views and I welcome their questions. And simply, let's start a conversation about it. I think that it's so important that everyone here understand that you are all about 
opening and continuing that conversation. And I got to tell you, it's been just a joy and a delight for me to have this conversation today. You have been extremely insightful. I've always believed that it, the the whole idea of letting the having the baby led weaning is the way we want to go but the truth of the matter is i feel more i feel more normal after i've heard you and i know that there are many people like me who are feeling more normal after we hear everything that you've got to say so please ladies feel free to continue this conversation long past when you hear the show be sure to contact michelle she does indeed want to hear from you and actually so do i Send your questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I'll repeat that. If you've got follow-up questions for me, email me at radio at borntobebreastfed.com, and I will be happy to take those um, perhaps on another show. It will be great to continue that conversation here in the U.S. as well. For those of you who are professionals, be sure you visit my uh, website at Born to, uh, yeah, actually, I'm sorry, uh, for those of you who are not professionals, it's borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. For those of you who are professionals, my professional breast, uh, site is uh <laughs> breastfeedingoutlook.com and I would welcome anything that you are interested in pursuing. I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I will have several courses that will be coming up this spring as well as this fall. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise that I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, just remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. And to that, I would add, your baby is born to be breastfed and that he can have baby-led weaning. Thank you to Michelle Atkin. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll see you next week. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 